Hi, this is Mike. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing at the Heights Fellowship. We hope you enjoy this message. We know it's not the same thing as being here in person, but we pray that God would move as you listen and as God applies this to your heart. Today we start a new series on how to hear God, hearing God. And um, go ahead and jump right in. The scripture tells us that we can hear God and that we can trust God because God is to be trusted. He is the God who called you into a fellowship with Him and His Son, Jesus Christ. And you can trust Him and He wants to relate to you. He wants you to hear Him and He wants to talk to you as well. This is one of the things that distinguishes Christianity among all other theologies and religions, is that God wants to intentionally interact with us. In other words, He wants to have a relationship with us. Let me take you to a verse toward the end of the New Testament. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote some letters at the end, and he says this. He says, we are telling you about that which we have actually seen and that which we had actually heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to know we can hear God and that we can be in relationship. We can intentionally interact with Him. So the question usually comes, and most pastors will tell you, it's one of the top five questions probably that we are asked in our ministries is, how do I know God is speaking to me? I mean, when I hear something, when when I get an impression, how do I know that it's God speaking to me? Sometimes it's said this way, how do I know that it's God who is speaking to me? In other words, how do I know it's not just something coming from within me, one of my preferences or desires? How do I, I know it's not the world? How do I know it's not the enemy? How do I know that it's God's voice that I'm hearing? So this series is going to be about you hearing the voice and the Word of God. And our prayer as we move into this is that not only will you get better at that, but for some of you guys, maybe it's the first time you can confirm, you know what, the Lord really spoke to me about this particular thing. So I want you to be thinking about the issues, the things that are going on in your life, and I want you to start talking to God about them and then listening to what He says. Now, there are several reasons that listening or hearing God is so vital to us. The first one is this, it marks us or brands us as His sheep. Jesus said, listen, my people hear what God says. And he tells the religious leaders, the reason you don't hear it is because you don't belong to him. Jesus said in John chapter 3, and we was talking about that good shepherd passage, that he is the good shepherd. He says, the sheep hear his voice and they come to him. So people respond and hear God, the people that are his sheep. So it marks us as a sheep. The second thing is, really, is it enables us to follow God. He goes on to say in that, that passage, the sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. One of the things is kind of a dust statement. If you want to follow God, you got to hear him. you got to be able to respond to him and know what he says. The third thing is that it helps us to be better lovers. And some of you guys just went, huh? What does that have to do with hearing God? Let me take you to another passage in John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, he says, we love because God loved us first, right? So we're responding to the love of God. If we say we love God and we don't love each other, then we're liars. Think about that. We can't see God, so how can we love God if we don't love the people we can see? The commandment that God has given us is this, love God and love each other. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. There are two things, then, that must be necessary for us to hear God. 
The first one is we must have communion with God. I'm not talking about a religious ceremony where we go and eat a cracker. Okay, that, that's a separate thing to what I'm saying. Communion with God means getting along with God, being in relationship with God. There are things that God wants within that relationship. Did you know that God wants your affection? That's why what we just did is so important. It gives us an opportunity to love back on God as we sing back to Him. That's why what this band does every week is so vital to the life of our church. But that's just one expression of how you love back on God. But He wants your affection. Another thing He wants is your attention. Parents, let me talk to you for a minute. How many times have you been somewhere or you've been wanting to talk to your kid and you look down and they're doing this? They're doodling on their phones. Linnell and I were at a restaurant the other night. We were in that waiting room section of the restaurant. And I looked around and you got all these people who are dressed up, who are there for dates. And they kind of said they're sitting around playing on their phones. They're not relating to one another at all. And then I realized, oh, I'm doing the same thing. And I put my phone away. How many times, parents, do you look at your kid and want their attention and you don't have it because they're doodling with their lives? It's the same thing with God. He looks down and he wants our attention. Well, you can't hear God if you're not giving him your attention. It's just background noise. And, and then some of you guys are going to have a hard time really, like, really? God wants to answer you and what you're dealing with and where you are. God always answers. You say, well, he didn't answer this prayer. Maybe he said, wait. Or maybe he said, no. God has his way of speaking to us, but he always wants to answer the questions and issues that are going on in our life. He wants communion with us. The second thing, though, that's necessary to hear the word of God or to hear God speak is that we have to have community. And so it's not just loving on God and being in relationship with him. It's loving and getting along with one another. John said in that passage we read, he said, to think that we can love God and not love people, well, that's crazy. And by the way, the flip is true as well. To think that we can love people properly without receiving God's love to do that, that's equally crazy. Another way of putting it is the way John ended. The message is love God and love each other. If we don't, if we are, are trying to be filled with God outside of that, then we're basically just being selfish and selfishness, if you remember, is the source of all sin and all separation between God and man and between people and people. And so we have to be in community as well as have communion with God. Now, thinking through that idea of loving, of being a better lover, there are three things, just to kind of develop this, there are three words used in the New Testament. If you've been in, in a sermon in you know, more than 10 minutes, you've probably heard this, but some of you guys, it may be new. There are three Greek words, because the New Testament was written in Greek, that define or describe love, various aspects of love. The first is eros. We get our term erotic, by the way, from that. Phileo, which uh, eros, by the way, has to do with a very passionate, it's a very physical, tangible kind of love. It's very, very outwardly expressive. All right? And then phileo, that's friendship love. That's a, a deep, solid, abiding, it's the love you have with friends. It's where we get our, the name of the city, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, comes from that word. And then there's this other word, agape. You probably heard the word. Maybe you know what the definition is. It's a sacrificial form of love. It's a love that gives and spends itself to achieve 
what is best for you or for the object of that love. And that defines or describes the love of God for us. Here's the point. The difference between lust and love is this. Lust seeks to use other people and their resources for your benefit. It's very selfish. Another word for it, it's, it's by nature very selfish. Agape love that God is looking for from us that he expresses to us is love that spends its life and its resources for the best of somebody else. That's another word for that is Christ-likeness. And so for us to hear God, to be better lovers, we've got to be invested in the love of God and have the love of God being poured into us. Another reason that hearing God is so vital, it's really the only, only way we can obey God. I mean, how can you obey a God you can't hear if you don't know what he's saying? You don't know what the next step is. And God is very interested in the details of our life. Don't ever forget that. And so God wants to direct us and, and, and lead us along those paths. It's also vital for us to have wisdom in life. James would say this, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, then ask him. I'm convinced as a pastor doing this now for almost 40 years that the reason a lot of times that we don't know is because we just don't ask God. Or we do everything else first and then go to God and say, well, why didn't this work? If you want to know, ask him. That's a challenge. So I'm going to challenge you the way that God challenges us in the scripture. You talk to God through the course of these next several weeks as we're going through these series, through the series, through the month of May. You be talking to God about an issue, about something in your life that's going on. And then listen and see what he begins to say. I'm praying that God would begin to reveal that to you. Lastly... It's important that we understand how to hear God because that's how we understand the Bible. It says this in John chapter 16. Jesus speaks and he says, you know, when the spirit of truth has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, he will tell you, he will explain to you. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak to you and he will tell you things to come. That's Jesus saying he will talk to you. If you'll listen, you need the Spirit of God to interpret the Scriptures, among other things. I can't tell you how many Bible studies, sometimes sermons I've been at. Somebody gets up and all they do is opine. They're just giving me opinions. What does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? Listen, Scripture means something in and of itself. And our job is to respond to that, to that objective truth that God has given us. A.W. Tozer says this, he says, the Bible will never be a living book to us until we are convinced that God is articulate in his universe. Let me ask you this morning, are you convinced that God articulates, that he speaks within his universe? A new world will arise out of the religious myths when we approach the Bible with the idea that it is not only a book that once spoke, but is a book that is now speaking. Do you believe that this morning? If you don't, you're going to have a hard time hearing God because the Bible, as we're going to see in a minute, is his loudest voice. And so the question then comes out of this series, all right, can I recognize God's voice? Is it possible to recognize? And the resounding cry of the Bible is absolutely. Yes, you can hear and recognize the voice of God among all these other competing voices that are in your life. Let me read you what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He says, if you have my commandments, that's a scripture, and you keep them, you love me. 
And if you love me, you'll be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And then this last part, I will disclose myself to him. What does it mean to disclose? Well, the word used there means to make plain or to emphasize. What Jesus is saying is, listen, you have my word. If you're, if you're invested there, you're going to hear me. I'm going to speak. I'm going to make it very clear about what I want you to do. Just had a family that was in the last service. They used to be members here. They moved away. They've been gone for about six or seven years. And all of a sudden, they were here. And I thought they were just visiting. They said, no, we've moved back. And I said, why? And they said, we don't have time to tell you right now. But it has to do with God speaking to us and us coming home. Well, I was elated, you know, because we love to have them back. You always love your family to come home, right? But it's a response to what God is saying. They said God made it very clear. He emphasized it to us that it's time to move back. It's time to go home. And so, that's all background for the series. Now, let's jump into the message today. It's very simple. If you want to hear God, if you need to hear God, there are two things that are absolutely essential. The first is an understanding ear, and the second is an undiluted heart. Let's start with what it means to have an understanding ear. Did you know that there are 15 times in the New Testament alone, 15 separate scriptures, where God says in some way to somebody, he who has an ear, let him hear. God wants us to hear what he says, and so we have to learn to understand that. And you say, well, I don't know how to understand that. I look at the Bible, and it's, it's frustrating. I remember 40-something years ago when I really got serious about my, my discipleship with the Lord, and I began to try to hear him and respond to him and, and those kind of things, that I would look at the Bible, and it was voluminous. It's huge. I mean, it's a big old thick book, and I was like, no way. I will ever understand this. I, I feel just so, you know, futile in my attempts to understand it. And I would go to these Bible studies and I would sit through these messages. And here would somebody get up and talk about the language. The Hebrew says this or the Greek says that. And they would connect scriptures, you know, this one with that one with that one. And I would feel so inadequate. And my mentor, Jeff Bearden, looked at me and said, son, just relax. You got to do this a long time before you get that agile in it. Just take baby steps. It's okay. You'll get there. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you along. And I would say that to some of you guys this morning. You get up, you hear your life group leader speak, or you get to hear one of us speak on a Sunday morning, and you feel a little bit intimidated. Don't be. Don't be. We all started the same place. We're all following the same path. And the Lord's going to walk you along. Just be invested in it. Understanding is learned in most cases. You think about that applies really to nearly any activity that we do, whether it's roller skating or learning to, you know, to, to do some, you know, fine art of some kind. You get better as you do it. And as you're invested with God, you'll get more familiar with it. You'll be much more agile in that. And so let me give you some tips to help you develop an understanding here. And the first one is really simple. Operate as if your life depended on it. As it depended on hearing God. Here's why I think for the most part in our culture it, that doesn't resonate with us. Because we tend to view our culture in terms of a finite period of time. I've got 70, 80 years if I'm lucky, right? And so I've got to learn how to be street smart and business wise and, and health wise and do all of these things. You have to remember we're not operating in a fixed time and space forever. There's an eternity we're dealing with. And so for us to understand eternity, 
We have to have an eternal perspective. And that means we got to depend on God to see some things we can't even see. And know some things that we don't even know. And one of the places that God speaks the loudest is when we're in a time of crisis. Have you ever noticed that? That you're rocking along in your life and God's good and he's my, he's, he's my riding buddy and he's doing really well. We're riding along on the road and all of a sudden something bad happens. I mean, you fail at business or you lose a relationship, somebody dies, you know, something bad happens. Your health gets compromised and all of a sudden you're like, God, I'm listening. Crisis, God speaks very loudly. We are Zoom focused on him. Those are some of the richest times that you will ever experience. By the way, let me give you a hint. That's why God isn't really put off or, or struggles when we go through trouble. Because He's going to speak to us. You're going to hear Him very clearly and very loudly. Now, I'm not wishing trouble on any of us, and God doesn't do that either. But He's in no way dismayed or put off when we go through trouble. So we may be rocking along really well and, and fall into a valley. That's okay. God's going to keep speaking. In fact, what did David say in the 23rd Psalm? You are with me in the valley of the shadow of death. And he is, he is David is speaking to God in that moment. He's not just talking about God. And so spiritual growth and, and hearing God comes a lot of times through crisis. In Luke chapter 10, there's a really cool story. Last week, you remember, we talked about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We talked about the resurrection of Lazarus on Easter Sunday. Well, Mary and Martha, that whole family, really good friends with Jesus. Mary, or Martha was the type A. Mary was the feeler in, the, in the, that family. Martha was, they had, the, they had the Bible study group over, you know, the whole thing's going on. And Martha is frustrated because Mary isn't helping her. And she comes to Jesus and she says, will you make her help me? She'll listen to you. Parents, you ever do that? You look at your spouse and say, you go talk to them because they're not listening to me right now. So she comes to Jesus and says, say something to her. And Jesus says, Martha, why are you, I'm going to give you the Martindale free translation. Martha, why are you so wigged out about this? Mary's doing the most important thing. The question is, what was Mary doing? Well, it tells us that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. She was hearing God speak over her life at that moment. And Jesus reminds Martha, listen, you know, hospitality is a great thing. It's important and it's great. You need to put the towel down and sit down for a minute and talk with us. Hear what, hear what I'm having to say here. Listening to God is most important. Live as if your life depended on it. Secondly, listen with a faith that God is actually going to articulate in His world. Some of us don't expect God to say anything. We live our lives day after day, hour after hour, as if God has nothing to say about this or that situation. Hebrews 6 says, listen, no one can please God without faith. If that's true, that means the faith that God wants to articulate in your life and in His world must be true also. A third thing that helps us develop an understanding here. Choose to set your mind on God regularly. That means more than just once a week or more than at Christmas or at Easter or just at certain times. Do it on a daily basis, especially if you can. Do it on a more than daily basis, several times during the day if you can. It's a conscious choice. You have to choose to do it. It's 6.15 in the morning 
at my house is when this happens with me. My wife does it while she's getting ready in the morning. It's amazing what I hear her doing as far as listening to the Lord, reading the Word, memorizing the Word. It's incredible to see what he's doing. The best way to do that, to be regular with God, is to set a time and place. For me, it's early, early in the day. For you, it may be end of the day. That's okay. Maybe it's the middle of the afternoon coffee break or at lunch. For you, whenever it is, find it and do it and be very regular in it. You'll be amazed at how the, the, the voice of God begins to move over your life. And then this, be honest and agree with God about all the parts of your life. Everything from your, if you're, you're single and you're dating, to your dating life, to your thought life, to, to the things in your life that nobody else knows about. Be very honest with Him and do that regularly with Him. Third, or fourth thing is, spend time with God's loudest voice. That would be the Bible. It is the Word of God delivered to us, and it's just as relevant today as it was when God delivered it to the original hearers at whatever time that was. Jesus said, listen, man can't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So hearing God is absolutely vital, essential to our understanding. There was a guy named Peter Lord. He was a pastor in Florida who wrote a book called Hearing God that I'm using uh, it's kind of is the, the inspiration for this series. If you, he's still available, you can find it and read it. Peter reminds us, though, of this. He says, the taproot of spiritual maturity is a personal, continuous, vital, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Get in his word because it's absolutely essential to your life. And if that's true, then you accept no substitutes and no surrogates. You say, what do you mean? Well, there could be plenty of bad things. That I mentioned, but I want to focus on five good things that we use as surrogates for hearing the voice of God. All right? One of those things is great books. Man, have you read so and so's latest book? It was so good. Did you read what Andy Stanley wrote? Man, did you read what this author wrote, what Max Licato wrote? Did you read what this guy wrote? Those are great books. Those are inspired, uh, not in the biblical sense, but, but inspirational teachings and thinkings from, from really great human beings. That's a great thing, but it's not a substitute for the Word of God. Or religious services. It's one thing for me to speak over you. It's another thing for you to hear God speak directly to you. Whether it's this church or some online church that you may be watching, the same thing. You need to get in a place where you are responding and hearing God. Devotionals. Man, my open windows today said this. That's great. But maybe you need to hear directly from God. For, for the younger people in the room, your generation is big on grand gestures. And this was big in my life. Nothing wrong with grand gestures or great efforts. But it's not a substitute or a surrogate. Counselors, as great as they are, aren't necessarily the word of God. You need to be in a place where you're hearing the word of God except no substitutes or surrogates. The reason is simply this. When we hear them, read them, think them, hear them over a video or whatever, we don't really have a lot of, have to have a lot of buy-in personally. We don't have to respond. We don't have a whole lot of commitment to that. When God speaks to us, it's very, very rarely just informational. God doesn't talk to us to give us the score of the game or the weather report for tomorrow. God speaks to us most of the time to direct us. It's not informational, it's directional. 
He's moving us from pasture to pasture or place to place. He's putting us in a position for something to happen where he's working in our life, in us or through us or with us. So it's nearly always directional. And so when God does that, our response is to trust him. God, I don't want to move here. I like this place. Well, you're moving. And to follow him. This is what we call yielding to the lordship of Christ. Following the lordship of Christ. And we accept no other substitutes to be the voice to direct us in those situations. The people that study the brain tell us that your brain has something called the reticular activating system. The RAS. I'm going to use that terminology. All right. And it's pretty fascinating because what this part of the brain does. It allows you to focus on what you want to hear. It allows you to filter out the things that are competing voices and it allows you to find relevance in what you are hearing to make it stick and act in your life. So part of the training your ear to understand is to activate the RAS in your mind to say, okay, I'm going to focus for a period of time on the Word of God. One of the coolest stories that's happened in my life this year is we had one of our men a while back decide, you know what, I, I don't believe in God, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm an atheist, that's just who I'm going to be. And so, he's, then he got convicted about the fact, and I think this is funny, because at the time, he's thinking, I'm doing this, I, you know what, I have to be honest about this. Well, the Holy Spirit was going, well, how can you say you reject me if you don't know what I said? And so he got convicted that he needed to at least read the Bible before he ultimately rejected God. And so that's what he began to do. And when he did, he told me he was doing this, and he began to text me. And, and over the course of months, as he's reading, he's, he's taking in huge chunks of Scripture at a time, and I'm like, hey, he's not going to get this. And I'm like, the Holy Spirit's going, don't sell me short, man. <laughs> don't sell me short. As he began to do that, the Holy Spirit began to work in his life. And he, he's telling me things. I'm like, man, there's no way an atheist could know these things. There's no way somebody who's rejected Christ can understand. It's kind of been the Holy Spirit speaking to him. And, and a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago, he finally comes to me, texts me, and he says, all right, just want you to know, I've chosen to trust Christ and follow Christ. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to him. He chose to focus on what God said. God began to filter all those things out. And here's the point. He finds relevance in it because that's the way God wired us. If you've never trusted what God has said, invest yourself in that. Once we decide that the word of God is important, once we set our antenna to it, all of a sudden you're going to tune in. Have you ever noticed when you start looking for cars, all of a sudden you see the car that you're trying to buy everywhere? It's that same idea, and it works with the Scripture. The sixth thing then to develop an understanding here is simply this. Respond as soon as possible. Zoom in on what God said, and that means respond now. Some of you guys, God is speaking to you this morning. Some of you guys online, God is speaking to you. And your tendency is, well, I'll start tomorrow, or I'll do that next week. Start today. Move your time frame up a little bit. R respond intentionally. Respond on purpose. Say, yes, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. Ignore people that say, well, don't, you don't need to be doing that. No, yes, you do. 
Because God's speaking to me right now. Remember what Jesus said to Martha. Mary's chose the more important thing. And then begin to respond more frequently to God. Okay, Lord, I'll do this. He will begin to take you not just one step, but another and another and another. And then respond practically. What tangibly does he want you to do? You remember the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19? Remember this tax collector who gets saved and he's defrauded everybody in the world and he's got fabulously, extravagantly wealthy on it. And he gets saved and he looks at Jesus and he says, you know what, half of what I have I'm given to the poor. And then if I've defrauded anybody, I'll give them four times what I took from them. And Jesus said, you're a changed man. Salvation has come to this house and because of that, look at the way you're acting. It's a practical step that he took. That was what Zacchaeus did. What would he have you do this morning? That's how you develop an understanding ear. The last thing, real quickly, is an undiluted heart. That's really simple. It's a heart that's free from impurities or contaminants. What are the things that contaminate your heart or contaminate your heart this morning? It's a heart that's singular in its devotion to the Lord. There's a great verse over in Proverbs where God kind of compares a diluted heart to a muddy, a muddy spring. It's been trampled up by the hooves of animals running back and forth through it. It's just muddy water, a polluted well. He said, that's what somebody who gives way to the wicked is. Don't be deluded in your devotion or your attention to God. He told in the Old Testament, he said to the prophet Jeremiah, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. In another place, he said, God actually looks for people whose heart is not deluded in order to, to strengthen them. And so to have an undiluted heart is an important thing. How do you have an undiluted heart? Two really quick things. First of all, be cleansed. Clean it out. There's two parts. There's God's part and there's your part. To, to be cleansed, let me give you a verse out of 1 John chapter 1. He said, this is a message we have heard and that we announce to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. Listen, I don't know where you are in your life, in your walk with God, in your walk in the world. But if you claim to be a Christian and you never follow Christ, dude, you're lying to yourself. A Christian will follow Christ at some point. They can't help it. And they don't follow Christ to get saved. They follow Christ because they're saved. That's Zacchaeus. He did those things because he was saved, not to get saved. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what God does. But do you know that once you become a believer, you have a part in that too. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul said, listen, we have these promises. The promise is that God has cleansed us. So let us cleanse ourselves. That's, that's something that you do on a continual basis. You purify your hearts. He says, from everything that can defile our body or our spirit. Let us work towards complete purity. You're efforting that way. You don't just sit back and say, okay, God, cleanse me. God has already cleansed you if you're a believer. Now, as you encounter the dust of the day, you're, you're cleansing Yourself in James chapter James chapter four verse eight even takes a more kind of uh, in your face statement. He says, "Listen, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you." 
That's what he's saying. Don't put God off at arm's length. Don't ignore God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. And then he says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Some of the old people in the room go, hey, I remember that chorus. Old praise chorus from the 80s. Great song, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Biblical truth there. What he's saying is, draw near to God, drop the things that are, that are blocking the way. Humble yourselves before him and let him begin to lift you up. So that's <clears throat> our, our part. The scripture uses a term, a weird term. It's a very physical kind of term. Circumcise your heart. It says, for instance, over in Jeremiah 5, 5, circumcise yourself to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your heart. You look at that going, man, that's a really uncomfortable statement. But if you want to have an undiluted heart, the Bible instructs us to do that. Very simply, what that means is this. Prioritize good and best and cut out the good and pursue the best. Whatever activity, whatever method of thinking, whatever way of living that is okay but is not best, and best is defined as what God has said, He says, move away from that and move toward the best. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Here's what we know about circumcision in the Old Testament. It was a voluntary act. God looked at Abraham and said, hey, go circumcise all the men in your household. Well, they could have said, no, which would be the typical response today. Oh, heck no. That's going to hurt. But Abraham said, okay, Lord, if that's what you're calling us to do, we'll do that as a sign or a mark that we are devoted to you. We are called to submit, that's the point, ourselves to the Lord's instruction. Very often, circumcision was an uncomfortable act. I was telling first service, when we were in Africa, they didn't circumcise babies, they circumcised teenagers, that's got to hurt. We, we, we actually got invited to what's a big ceremonious thing among the Maasai people we were planning church, churches at. And they invited us. And we were like, no, we don't think we want to see that. But it was a big ceremony for them to do. But it's very, very uncomfortable. Here's the point. There are things in your life that you're very comfortable with. Things that you've done, maybe ways of thinking that are lifelong for you. And they're detrimental to your walk with God. Part of the discipleship process for the believer is to identify those things and agree with God about what they are and then begin to take steps to cut them out of your life. That's what it means to have a circumcised heart, to have an undiluted heart. And it demanded practical steps. It's one thing to say, I agree, I need to do this. It's another thing to actually do it. Among the Maasai people, I was telling the first service, there was no anesthetic. And so they would walk these teenage boys down into a pond because it was cool. And they would walk them out and the ceremony would continue with no anesthetic. It's a very physical act. What steps is God telling you about that thing in your life that you need to get rid of? That you need to place backwards in priority? That may mean that you need to take an app off your phone. That may mean you need to 
to liquidate some investments. That may mean that you need to step away from some associations and friendships and clubs and things that you're a part of because if you're going to be fully devoted to the Lord in this season, you don't need those things to be present. God calls us to circumcise, as it were, our heart, which brings us to the end of the message today. And I think I've got a, there's supposed to be another deal. Anyway, um, let me just check, make sure I didn't miss something. No, I didn't miss something. We're good. Three questions I want to ask you this morning as we end. The first question is this, are you in God's fold? Are you one of God's sheep? Because if you are, then the scripture says you should be hearing his voice. So if you're hearing his voice, then that's good. If you're not hearing his voice, there's a question there. Maybe you need to come to Christ. Maybe you need to say, you know what? I've said I was a believer, but you know what? I I haven't really followed through with that. Let me just tell you, the good news is God's given you one more chance this morning to follow through with that. Maybe you need to trust Christ and his sacrifice on the cross as sufficient for your salvation. All right, to trust in that and that alone. If you do, God will honor that. And, and he'll immediately begin to move and to speak into your life. That means there's a lot of things that may need to be rearranged. But he's going to move to do that. I promise you he will. The, secondly, the second question is this. Do you have an understanding ear? Do you have an ear that understands what God is saying? That's something maybe you need to dial into to turn your attention, your antenna to, and begin to listen to him. And then the third thing is, do you have an undiluted heart? I don't know exactly which one of those things applies to you, but let's pray through. And you talk to God, hear what he says in this moment. If you're watching online, then you bow your head with us and do the same thing, all right? Let's, let's do this. This is an activity that God has challenged us to do, so let's begin to pursue him in that, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. Father, thank you for the promise that you speak to your sheep, that your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. But Father, for some of us in this room, that's our day-to-day living. We, we follow your promptings and, and your leadings in our lives. Father, we thank you for that and pray that you would encourage those. Father, there are some of us in this room who are believers, and Lord, that's not what our day looks like sometimes. So Lord, I pray right now that we would come to you and he would ask you this question. Father, what do I need to do? What's the next step I need to take? For those in the room and online, I'm just going to shut up for a second. You ask God that question and then I'm just going to be silent for a minute. What did the Lord say? Then, Father, there are some in this room who don't hear your voice because they're not your sheep. Father, one more time, you pitch the great news of the gospel before them, that Jesus loves you. There is no one he loves more than you. And you want to draw us into relationship with yourself so that we can interact and interrelate. But sin stands in the way. The good news is that Jesus paid the price for that sin by breaking his body on the cross, by bleeding his blood over our sin. And I pray that they would respond to that. 
Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here committed and convinced that you're articulate in your universe and you want to speak to us. And that we would be marked as a people who hear your voice and follow you. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for being a part of what God's doing here at the Heights Fellowship. If the Lord led you to make a decision or you have a question or a need, we want to hear from you. Send us an email at the email listed below, info at theheightsfellowship.org. And we will join you in praying as you take a step forward on your journey with God.